Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT pulpit. The presence of the Lord is in this place. So honored, so honored to stand before you today and to be with you. Let's jump right into the Word. There are some things that I wanted to say, but time is far spent, and we'll try to make it up at the end. <laughs> let's go to the Bible. Um, let, let's go in the Word of God. First Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Thessalonians is in the New Testament. <laughs> After you get past the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Acts, then you have the book of Romans. Then you get into the Corinthian books or the letters. Get past there, go everywhere, preach Christ, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And then you stumble into these letters <clears throat> that Paul began to write after he had done his um, apostolic work in establishing the church there in uh, Thessalonia. And he wasn't there long. He wasn't there long uh, because the Jews began to get upset at the work that he began to do, and they ran him out of town. And so quickly, because he wasn't there to, to, to really establish a whole lot of biblical teachings, he began writing, writing these letters. And he began writing because he wanted to address some things that he had seen and even heard. And so he began to write to them. But as we started last week in, 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 in this new series, Decision 2016, um, we talked last week about money. I mean, let me tell you something, because there is a worldview about money, but then there's also the words view about money. And so this series is designed to really tackle some of the hard, uh, hard-hitting issues uh, that really face not just our world, but even our culture that we live in, uh, because there are some, 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 some vast differences as to how the world views about things and how the word views about things. So last week we talked about money, and, and, and this series is really going to be dealing with money, sex, and power. So I've already let the cat out the bag. Let me just tell you, our, our, our babies are next door, our people in middle school, our, our students in middle school are next door. I want to give you an opportunity, if, 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 if you don't feel comfortable, maybe you have a high schooler that's in here and you don't want them, because we have to deal with this issue of sex. And we have to hear what the Word of God says about, uh, uh, about sex and about sexual purity the way that the Lord wants us to understand it. So I'll give you an opportunity. I'm not going to be mad at you. Uh, I, I, I really do endeavor to be responsible uh, and respectful 
uh, with God's word. And, and, and so if, if you have a high schooler in here and you don't necessarily want them to, to hear about this, you have an opportunity. I'm not judging, we're, we're not about that. I really was gonna hold this message until next week and, and, I, and I woke up uh, through this, through la- yesterday and even this morning and the Holy Spirit was saying, no, today is the day, today is the day. And so I wanna be respectful and responsible. If you want, if you have a high schooler in here and you wanna get them out of the room, Please feel free to do so, but we're going to talk about this according to the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Are you all, are you all, are you all with me today? All right, all right, all right. So, so today, Decision 2016, I want to title this message, A Plea to the People in the Pews for Purity. A Plea to the People in the Pews for Purity. Hmm. Um, I'll deal with, with that in a moment, but let's jump right into 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. I'll be reading from the, new, from the NIV version. You will have it also on the screen, but let's go ahead and see what the Lord is saying. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, or in, 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 in most translations, I like where he says, finally then, <laughs> uh, uh, we instructed you how to live in order to please God as in fact you are living. Now, we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus Christ to do this more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you uh, by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will, watch this, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lusts like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this manner, no one should, I'm sorry, that in this manner, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish, the Lord will punish, the Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Somebody say holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Some heavy stuff. All throughout Scripture, there are, 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 are a number of, of instances where God calls us, he invites us to live holy. Uh, Leviticus 11 and 44, he says, I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. First Chronicles 16 and 29, it says, ascribe to the Lord the glory uh, due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And then 1 Peter 1, verses 13 through 16 says this, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace and, uh, to be brought to you. Oh, I'm sorry. Set your, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, be so be holy in all you 
you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. The call of the scriptures to us is this. God is holy, therefore we must be holy. Say that with me together. God is holy, we must be holy. Let's say it again. God is holy, we must be holy. This is important for us to understand as a premise and a backdrop behind everything that we're going to be talking about today. Jesus' work in us who are his followers, is by the Holy Spirit to conform us into the image, hence making us holy. This process, this process, and we talked about this some time ago, earlier on in the year, but this process is called sanctification. It's a process that began the moment you accepted Christ into your life, and it's a process that won't be finished until we get to heaven. So our being sanctified is all about us having been set apart unto God for a special use. Ours is a special calling, body of Christ, being called into a holy service for a holy use. You cannot be used in a holy service for a holy use, being living an unholy life. Y'all not going to like me today, but I'm going to preach the word. Not only have we been set apart for a special use, but we are set, but we are to set ourselves apart from the things of this world for God's use and God's use only. In responding to God's call to be holy, our express goal is to become more and more like God. This is what being holy is all about, being more and more like Jesus. We used to sing a song that I want to be more and more like Jesus. I want to be more and more like him. That is the goal of every believer, is to be more and more like him. Because one day when we, uh, on that glorious day, when we are caught up to meet him in the air, we're going to be changed to, look, to, to, to be just like him in that moment in the twinkling of an eye. But our, our, our responsibility is that while we're here on earth is to begin the process. I like how my grandmother, Mother Eubanks would always say, our responsibility is so that when, when we get caught up to meet him in the air and then we get changed in that moment in twinkling of an eye, our, our, it is our goal to, 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 to implement the process while we're here on earth. So much so, so that when we meet him in the air and we're changed, it won't be such a drastic change. <laughs> God's call to us is to be holy as he is holy. And, and he gives us very practical, practical ordinances. See, whenever in, whenever in Scripture the call to be holy is issued, there is a practical matter that, 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 that the writer has in mind. And so today we're going to be considering in 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8, the big call of the text that we are to be holy and pure and that we are to live in a way that pleases God. Watch this. Just as we mentioned, uh, the call to, is, 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 to be holy is a very practical one. In our text, which really stretches not just from verse 1 to verse 8, but really it, it stretches from verse 1 down through verse 12. 
And, and Paul addresses three very important topics that pertain to pleasing God and living a holy life. But the subject that we're going to focus on today uh, is the subject of sexual purity. And if we want to be holy, then we must be sexually pure. Have to be sexually pure. Now, I'm going to talk, I'm going to try my best to hit every sector that's in this room today. From our youth, to our young adults, to our married people, to our single, maybe you're divorced or you're a widow, we're going to try to talk because God gives very specific answers and instructions in His Word for us all. Amen? So let's look back at verse 1 and verse 2. Look in the Bible. I'll flip, flip switch over to the Bible. It says, finally then. You know, I, I said that here. Uh, like most every preacher, when Paul says, finally, uh, he, he doesn't really mean it. <laughs> he's not coming to a close. <laughs> in other words, what he's saying is, um, much has already been said, but there's still much more that we have to deal with. And in verse 1 and verse 2, Paul is in essence saying, we have instructed you in how to live in a pleasing manner to God. And now we're going to continue to instruct you in such things. I know you may already know what the Bible says about, you know, sexual morality, fleeing you for us, all this. But let, but let me just say something. It, it's my responsibility to continue to instruct you in the things of God and as it relates to this particular subject. Amen? So we're going to continue in these things. And then he says, remember and note this, the things that I am teaching you don't come from me. They come from God. And I speak such things to you in the name of the authority of Christ. And then he picks it up. Skip down to verse 8 real quick. Just look at verse 8 real quick. He picks it up and he says, therefore, watch this, he who rejects this does not reject me, but you're rejecting God. So when I hear, so when you hear this teaching today and you reject it, I'm not going to be offended because you're not rejecting me. You're rejecting God himself. And one thing, one of the things that we can take away from verses 1 and 2, and let me speak to everyone who is a minister that has the call of God upon their life to teach the Word of God, listen closely and understand this. The job or the responsibility of those who have the teaching gifts is to instruct the brothers and the sisters from the Bible in how to live in order to please God. This is the object that every Bible teacher must bear in mind. Hear me good. Their task, our task, our calling, the purpose behind the gift that we have, that we possess, is that we, is that we might faithfully instruct our brothers and sisters in the Lord how to live a life that is pleasing to God. So don't go preaching your own gospel, your own message. Listen, it's about teaching our brothers and sisters how to live a life that's pleasing to the Father. So the responsibility of us all is to hear and to listen to the Word of God and to give ourselves to the doing of the teachings that we receive. 
Just like it says in the book of James that we've been discussing on Wednesday nights, Wednesdays in the Word, it says that we are to be doers of the Word and what? Not hearers only. When we look in verses 3 through 12, we kind of focus in, and here's what we're going to kind of zero in on. And I'm going to walk through very, very slowly, make sure that you get it and understand what God is really trying to teach us here. Word view versus word view, very important here. Paul continues on his teachings and instructions to us in how to live a life that is pleasing to God. Watch this. How is it that you and I can live a life that is pleasing to God? The short and definitive answer is this. We must commit to, a, to living a holy life. This is God's will for us. We must commit to living a holy life because this is God's will for us. Living holy, watch this. Living holy or living a holy life entails and encompasses many different things. One very important thing as it pertains to holy living, a holy life is that we commit ourselves to being sexually pure. So let me give you my first point or my first argument in, in this worldview versus worldview. Are you with me? Say amen. All right, first, first argument. Let's go to the next point. It seems that it is becoming increasingly difficult for us to live sexually pure lives. Let me say it again. It seems that it is becoming increasingly difficult for us to live sexually pure lives. We live in an age where the motto is, anything goes. And then we have this popular catchphrase of consenting adults. One can hardly pick up the newspaper, turn on the television, uh, uh, listen to the radio without being bombarded by sexually explicit material. I mean, I can be in, in Target, checking out with my Simply Lemonade bottles, which are two for $5 right now, just in case you wanted to know. And I'm going through the checkout line, and what do I see? I see a magazine that's right there that's talking about, you know, this person, and this person is, is half-dressed. I mean, all of her precious moments are hanging out for all the world to see, and I mean, it's, it's just bombarding us. I'm just trying to get lemonade. A man can hardly walk down the street without seeing some girl or some woman in some stage of being undressed. Today's young person, let me talk to the young people, today's young person is often preoccupied with having sex with someone at their school. Let me bring it even closer to home. Or in their church youth group. On the dating scene, it is fairly common for people to be having sex after the, the, the third date. Really the second. A lot of times the first date. You have all these people who tell you, oh, you, you got to do the 90-day challenge, and then it's okay. What? Yeah, yeah. 
You got these offers that tell you to, you to, to, to act like a woman but think like a man. I, I, I beg to differ. Even inside the establishment of marriage, Lord, help me in this place today. Husbands and wives have their own struggles too. See, <laughs> we used to think, well, you know, once I get married, all my troubles will be over. It just intensifies. Because you got pornography, affairs, flirting with other people, you know, just trying to see if I still got it. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me in this place. And then homosexuality continues to be promoted to us as something acceptable and legitimate. It's contradictory to the Word of God, people. It's unfortunate but true that sexual sin is a big problem for the Christian community. Let me give you some statistics. Um, they released this, this information some years ago, and I found some updated stuff that I'm going to share with you. It's going to be mind-blowing. You know, the hotel industry released this information. This was, this was mind-blowing to me. It says that we get more money, or we make more money off of our pay-per-view channels when the Christian conventions come to town than any other time ye are all year long. People are watching porn while they're at the Holy Convocation. Y'all gonna shout me down, but let me just go ahead and give you this. Watch this, porn in the church. Pornography is prevalent everywhere today. In fact, one in eight online searches is for pornography. And because porn thrives in secrecy, many church members are trapped in a cycle of sin and shame, thinking that they're the only ones facing this temptation. 51% of all pastors say internet pornography is a possible temptation. 75% of pastors do not make themselves accountable to anyone for their internet use. Watch this, 64% of Christians, men, of Christian men and 15% of Christian women say that they watch porn at least one time a month. Regular church attendees are 26% less likely to look at porn. However, self-identified fundamentalists are 91% more likely to look at porn. And then for your teenagers, oh, let's deal with this. Watch this. Nine out of every 10 boys are exposed to pornography before the age of 18. Six out of every 10 girls are exposed to pornography by the age of 18. The first exposure to pornography among men is 12 years old. 
Let me come to my singles, the young adults in this room. Watch this. 51% of male and 32% of female students first view porn because they're teen, uh, before their teenage years. 68% of adult men and 18% of adult women use porn at least once a week. Let me come down to married couples. Happily married men are 61% less likely to look at porn. Those with teen children are 45% less likely to look at porn. However, watch this, 68% of divorce cases involved in one party meeting a new lover over the internet. And then watch this, 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 it's staggering. Men are more, are more than 543% more likely to look at porn than women. Five, I mean, I don't even hear stats over 100%. It says over 540%. The call of God's word, hear me good now, the very will of God for us is that we avoid sexual immorality. Avoid it. The, the term refers to any sexual relationships that are not endorsed or blessed by God. Now, this term is extremely broad in its meaning, and it covers all forms of sexual sin. Homosexuality, bestiality, incest, pornography, rape, sex before marriage, sex after marriage with somebody who's not your spouse. We call that adultery. Fantasizing in your mind. Right. How can we avoid such things? Well, the Bible says it very, very plainly. It says, this is, this is probably the best kept secret in the entire Bible, so listen to me real good. It says, are y'all ready? <laughs> Oh, y'all ain't ready, y'all ain't ready. Are y'all ready? It says, flee! <laughs> Thank you for the one brother who clapped his hand. Run! <laughs> Whatever you're gonna jump! <laughs> do what you have to do! Get out of there! Y'all remember Joseph? Joseph, he was in, he was in the house. <laughs> he was in Potiphar's house, and Miss Potiphar, Mrs. Potiphar, she, she tried to make a move on Brother Joseph. Joseph said, I've got to get out of here. And I mean, she was trying to make moves with him so tough, she was grabbing him by the coat. 
Joseph said, keep the coat. I'm leaving. And see, some of you, it's not that you're involved in sin, but you keep holding on to something that's connecting you to sin. See, see, that was a special coat. They called it the coat of many colors. Joseph loved that coat. His father gave it to him. But, but guess what? If Joseph had been so concerned about that coat, he would still be there struggling and wrestling, wrestling and struggling, trying to play. Give me that. You know it's mine. You're, come on, come on. I can have that. And you're still messing around with the enemy, having these, having, these, having these silly moments with the enemy. He says, you know what? Forget this because this thing is connecting me to that thing. I got to get away from this, so I got to let this thing go. But this all begins, watch this, it all begins with a commitment made in our minds and our hearts to live holy. To live holy. And, and, and to be pure. Practicality extends to this. It extends to things like parental controls on your TV. security settings on your internet. See, let's, let, let me tell you something. Uh, don't get mad at the internet. The internet's not bad. It's the evil in you. <laughs> oh, see. Some of you need to really understand that it's not the enemy, it's the inner me. That keeps leading you. Oh, oh, I mean, well, this is the Bible. James says, he says, when you're drawn away by your own lust and desires and enticed. Oh, this was in you. That's why it appeals to you. And that's why it holds to you. And you can't, you can't just relegate it to, to, to the stuff that's on, that's on the paid channels or, or, or anything like that. I mean, it, 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 it's, even, it's, even on bro, it's even on primetime television. Can't fill our minds with the world's values. You gotta memorize the Word of God as it pertains to this subject. Just like the book of Joel where he declares, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look upon a woman lustfully. Women and men dressing modestly and teaching these young people, especially even in our church, to do the same. How about this? Become accountable to somebody. Yes, yes. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't want nobody knowing. Oh, so you're going to keep on struggling. How about this one? Stop frequenting those places of temptation. Let me tell you something, man. I don't care how good the steak is. 
Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all can sit there and act like you don't know what I'm talking about. I'll talk to the people over here because they know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't care how good the chicken wings are. Y'all know I love chicken wings, but there's some places I'm not going to go to get a good chicken wing. There are better places where the women and the waitresses are fully clothed. Let me take it to my next point. Our standards and values when it comes to sex needs to be radically different than the world's. Radically different than the world's. Pastor Devin, you're trying to take, all, take away all my fun. No, I'm not. I'm trying to prevent you from having a lifetime worth of heartache. Come on. Because, because, and I mean, I, I've done it so many times. Anytime I sit down and I talk with a young couple or even, or even an older couple, you know, about, about what's going on, and then I begin asking the questions, I start kind of going through, and I find out, and I can always say in my head, this is not going to end well. Because however you, it could be, because if you start off wrong, you're going to end up wrong. As Christians, the sexual conduct of our lives is supposed to be a night and day difference from the people of the world who don't know Christ. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 5 right here in uh, chapter 4. Verse 5. Watch this. It says, not in passion of lust like those unbelievers, like the Gentiles who do not know God. We need to live like saints, not, not the sinners of the world. If we are to be salt and light, if we are to be like God, then we must be different. If our lives are not different, then we must examine ourselves to see if we really belong to Jesus. And see, you know, what's sad about it is a lot of times, a lot of times, we held strongly to these values and these convictions when we were younger, but then as we continue to mature in Christ, we, we, or, or, or I'm sorry, mature in our, in our age, we have drifted away from those things that we held so, so dear. In respect to sexual behavior, we are not to live like non-Christians do. We are to go against the flow of our culture. Now, let me just bring a little bit of reality to you because, see, some of you may be thinking, well, you know, the Bible day was nothing like this day. Can I tell you something? It was worse. It was a little bit worse in Paul's day, and, and I got to show you this in Scripture. We'll watch this. Uh, in Paul's day, things were just as bad, perhaps even worse in regards to sexual purity. One of the philosophers of that day, listen to this. He says, uh, we have to, I'm sorry, we have go." We have to go to prostitutes for pleasure. We have concubines so that we can have regular sex. And lastly, we have wives for the purpose of having children legitimately and looking after our household affairs. This was the mindset of that day. This was the mindset of Paul's day. Here in this, in, in this book, as he's writing this letter, this was the mindset of the people in that time. In coming to Christ, our lives are supposed to change. And sometimes the change that God is in, is in the process of, of working in our lives, is the one that we fight so hard against. 
The Corinthians certainly did. Many who became Christians in the city came from incredibly raunchy and impure backgrounds. Leaving all of that behind was something they did not happen easily for them. Yet God's word still stands. Don't live like a non-Christian. Avoid sexual immorality. See, and here's the real thing about it. We need to learn how to control our bodies. We need to learn how to control our bodies. A saying that we sometimes quote that Jesus said to his disciples while he was in the garden of Gethsemane regarding their praying is this. He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Indeed, our flesh is weak. We are prone in and of ourselves to give in to temptation. But let me tell you something. Victory can be ours because Christ is living on the inside of us. Let me say it again. Victory can be ours because of Christ living on the inside. Scriptures teach us that the fruit of the Spirit, a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is this, self-control. The Holy Spirit lives within us and his work is to give us strength to resist temptation and to live a holy life. You and I, yes, I, me, the preacher, the pastor, let me tell you something, we're not helpless in this fight. We're not helpless in the face of sexual temptation. We have resources to fight and win against sexual temptation. We are responsible to learn how to control our own bodies. You know, well, I just couldn't help myself. That just doesn't cut it. We are responsible to God for what we do in our own bodies. And we must discipline ourselves. 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27, Paul says it like this. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body to make it a slave so that I may preach to others and I myself might not be disqualified for the prize. What is Paul saying here? He says, listen, I know there's a great reward in, 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 in giving others good advice. But can I tell you something? It's a better reward to listen to the advice that you give. I'm going to ask, I'm going to, we're going to do just a little bit of a different thing this morning. And, I, and we're almost done. But I'm going to ask Courtney to come on up here for a moment. This is my beautiful gift from God. 
Now, many of you have heard me tell it and share, but I'm going to give her an opportunity to kind of share her own testimony. Um, good morning, everyone. Um, when my wonderful husband asked me to share, at first, um, he asked if a favor, and I said, well, you're all out of favors. Um, <laughs> Um, but then he just encouraged me that this could be um, an encouragement. So that's why I'm sharing this and praying that if just one person is left encouraged today, um, then this was worth me sharing. Um, a lot of you have heard Devin speak that um, I took a vow of abstinence and I remained a virgin until the day I got married. And, um, but you may not know the background of that. It wasn't something where I just grew up in the church and this is something that I wanted to do. Um, it's the opposite of that. I did not. I did not have family saying, you should do this. This is the way to go. I, I didn't have any of that. I was the first person in my family saved. I was the first and the only one who has done this in my family. So I was kind of like an outcast in that regard. Um, when I was in high school, I was 15 years old, and I met my best friend, um, Brandy, and she said, my mom is creating a girls group called Young Women in Transition, and I'm just asking some people if you would be interested in coming. We're going to be meeting maybe once a month at my house. So I thought it was great, and so we met, and we would, you know, talk about teenage things, about boys and what he did and what she said and all those things. Um, and then we would also do community service projects. So it was great. We would have fun. There were probably about seven or eight of us girls who would meet like this. Um, and it was just very encouraging. And then one day, Brandy's mom got the awesome idea of offering this pledge of abstinence. And it's like, whoa, we were having fun up until now. What is this? Um, and she said, I just think it would really be great if you guys thought about this, prayed about this, taking a pledge of abstinence. Um, we're going to have a ceremony, and, you know, this is going to be a commitment for you, something that you don't take lightly. Um, so I was interested, but, you know, again, like I said, because I did not grow up in a family where this was the norm, where we were encouraged, you know, I was told, you know, this isn't something you have to do. You shouldn't do this. Think of later on down the line. You might want to do it now, but it's going to get hard later. You're a teenager. Um, well, I decided to go on anyway. And my friends and I, one Saturday afternoon, we came together in a church like this, and there was a pastor there who performed the ceremony. We set our permit, um, commitment, and then we also gave each other a ring, a pledge of abstinence. Um, and this was just our visual symbol of the commitment that we were making to God that day, a visual reminder of it. Um, and I would like to say and tell you that this was easy and it was something that I went through with ease. Oh, I've taken this pledge, this is just how it is. But at 15 years old, all my teens, it was not an easy feat. It is something that you need the support of friends around you. You need that encourager, you need that accountability partner to say to you, whoa, that's a risky situation, don't do that. Oh, hey, you're pushing yourself into temptation. Don't go there, don't do that. You need that group around you surround, and not just my teens, my young adults, you know, singles, you need those people, those group of people who are same, same goals, like-minded, who are going to encourage you and lift you up. 
and I had that with my friends. When I went on to college, same thing, I, I needed that. And, and I found out quickly that there were three types of guys. Um, and, and, and I can say the same thing about women, because women, us too. But there are three type of guys, and in my high school, my group of girls, we were known as the good girls. So many of the guys, you know, flee from the good girls, you know, they have their commitment, we're not trying. Then there's the second guy or girl who will find it a challenge to beat this commitment that you've tried. All right, that's the good girl, that's what I'm going to try, you know, she's made that commitment, I'm going to be the one to break that. Um, and then there's the third type of person who will say, this is who I want as my wife. This is who God has called me to be with. This is, no, you keep that pledge. I'm going to pray with you because this is what God is calling for me. And so as you, you think of your own life, think of those people that are trying to place themselves in your life. Are they the person who is trying to discourage you or maybe trying to find you as a challenge? Or is that person who's lifting you up the way that God wants you to be? Um, I thank God because whenever God places things in your life or brings you through something, it's never just for yourself. And you must know that whenever you're going through things, your commitment to God, it's never just for you. God is going to use it just for the betterment. And just as an update, um, as I look around at my friends, that group, we are in different states. We went to different colleges. So we weren't always in this huddle where we could just pray and be together and just, nope, we're not going to watch this. We're not going to do that. Nope. We were normal, going to college, doing our own thing, our careers, but still lifting up the name of God and still saying, this is my standard. I will not go there with you. Um, my one friend, Tanya, uh, and by the way, there were some who did not take the pledge. It was not a forced thing. So out of the seven girls, four of us did take the pledge of abstinence. Um, one of my friends, Tanya, she is now a doctor. Um, she has four children. She is married, and she and her um, husband pastor a church in Mississippi. Um, my next friend, her name is Erica. She also has four children. She is married. She and her husband pastor a church in Arizona. My friend Brandy, she lives here locally, so we still get together. She has four children. She and her husband are ministers and pastors in their local church in Mount Clemens. And then you have me, yours truly. Um, when we took this pledge, we were never, we want to marry the pastor. We want to do this. We were normal girls. We were regular girls who were presented with this opportunity. And our goal is we want to do what God says. We want the best for our lives. What is it, Lord, that you have for me? Because that's what I want. So my encouragement for you today is that pray and just trust God for your life's journey. It might not be easy, but in those times where it gets difficult and gets hard, you buckle down, you pray, you get in that word, and you surround yourself with people who are going to do the same for you. Love you guys. God bless you. Listen, I had about three more points, but this is over. I think, I think God has said what he needed to say and convey to us today. As it relates to this important, important, important 
subject, and that is God wants us to live holy. He wants us to remain pure. As we stand to our feet today, maybe you are here, and I mean, like, there's so many different, different things, you know, but let me just tell you, it's never too late. It's never too late to turn around and to reaffirm, reaffirm your commitment to the Lord. God has a plan for your life. Now, whether you know it or not, that plan is going to come to pass. It's just a matter of, is it going to be delayed? <laughs> or are you going to gain some traction right on time? I believe that God wants us to gain traction and to be on time with the plan that he has for our life. But if you're here today, don't, don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, you know... Put people on Front Street and say, hey, if you're struggling with sexual immorality, get down here right now. No, no, it's not, it's not about that. Not about that. But here's what it is about. It's about saying, God, I have gotten off course. My commitment to you and to living for you with all that I can and with all that I have has not been as strong as it should be. I've, I've allowed the influences of the world to, to come in and to cause me to drift. Drifting is not something that happens. It's like just one thing. You just make this sharp left turn. I'm not doing that no more. So long. Sayonara. Drifting is just, it's subtle. It's these subtle things. It's these subtle shifts. It's these subtle winds that caused by the culture that we live in that, that cause us to say, I used to think this way, but, uh, you know, ever since everybody else is doing it, I kind of not think along this, these lines. Can I tell you something? God's word never changes. It hasn't changed then, and it's the same word today. And we have the same God that is able to keep us and to present us before the presence of his glory. Our community at Revival Tabernacle aims to reach our city and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus. Thank you for your support. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at www.revivaltab.org.